Today's read, Midnight, a gangster love story by Sister Soldier, chapter 45, Grown. Half of everything a businessman in America earns belongs to the United States government. Collect receipts, keep proper records. If not, go straight to jail. It was eye-opening, new information for me, and mind-blowing. Sunday night, I got more serious. I sat down and got my thoughts organized. Then, I began to organize everything else. I pulled out the jewels for Akimi. I sat down with the pen and the pad and wrote out the ajid. I asked Uma to write out in Arabic the nikah, the words Akimi would recite and questions she would be asked during the short and simple ceremony. I would translate the Arabic into English myself. Then I would have the English translated into Japanese for Akimi. Uma was right. Akimi is a jewel and I would have to work very hard to get her and keep her for myself. I wanted to go by her school and see her. I wanted to make sure she was okay, feeling well and still wanting to be mine. I wanted to see what effect her family was having on her thinking and choices. I wanted to give her a copy of both the Ajid and the Nika so she could make all of her decisions with a full understanding. I wanted to give her the jewels and other gifts as the mar or dowry. After I had everything which concerned Akimi straight, we studied, Uma and I. The citizenship was, after all, a matter of business. Joining the United States of America was not emotional, not a matter of faith or patriotism. It was something I had to study for and pay for and continue paying for in taxes. It was because my life is a corporation and yours is too. Monday, the grind was on. By 10 a.m., I was at the lawyer's office with the paperwork for the possible house purchase. The lawyer's secretary wanted $500 to make a folder with our family name on it, slide my papers inside, and have the attorney look at it and give us a call. Is that the total fee? I asked her. That's the total right now, she replied. I left and tried the next lawyer. There was a whole block of them, 15 in a row. I figured maybe that was a good thing. A professional competition might drive one or two of them to lower their fees. I found one who would do the closing on the house for $250 total. She was a first year lawyer, no experience. She was an African American attorney who at least greeted her potential clients and not with the standard fuck you face. Monica Abraham Esquire said she could have the documents reviewed by tomorrow morning. 
she said she would check the register to verify that Mr. Saul Slursberg was the actual owner and that there was no outstanding debts and liens against his property. She even bothered to explain some of the concepts to me, which I appreciated a lot. I agreed to meet her at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, but told her I would be in a rush because I had to go to class, referring to Sensei without referring to him. She said, I think you're wonderful to carry such big responsibilities on your shoulders, to conduct business for your mom and family, to translate so carefully and cautiously your mother's expectations. You're rare. If you were older, I'd introduce you to my younger sister. I contacted Sensei by phone, asking if it was okay for me to stop by and speak with him for a minute. He said I could, so I headed right over. Do you know a place in New York where a Japanese person could take an English language course? I asked Sensei. But of course, he answered. Would you be willing to give me their contact information, I asked. He went into his card file, flipping slowly, his fingers pausing on top of one card. He wrote out the information onto a piece of paper and handed it to me. You could have asked me this question over the telephone. Is there something else you wanted to say or ask? If I need to get something translated, something written in English, translated into Japanese, in a hurry, I asked. I can do it, he said. I paused. I was not wanting to bother you. I was thinking that if you could recommend someone, someone who doesn't know you, to drop everything they are doing and start translating something for you right then and there while you stand and wait? He stated out loud to show me how absurd I was to him right now. If this is what the person does professionally, I could pay the fee and they could provide the translation for me as soon as possible, I corrected myself. Sensei seemed disappointed for some reason. He said to me, the address I have given you which you are holding in your hand will serve all of your needs for classes and translations of at least seven different languages. The businesses, as you can see, are all located at Rockefeller Center. There, they are used to assisting immigrants and foreigners. There, you will find a professional stranger to do as you wish. Anything concerning language. If this is good enough, I do have another matter to tend to. Arigato gozaimasu, sensei-san. I said, thanking him respectfully. I left. Fifty dollars extra for a rush job. No problem, I told the Japanese woman who agreed to translate my documents into Japanese and have them nicely typed and presentable on quality stationery. Come back in two hours, she said. The clock read 10 minutes past noon. I agreed. At 2 p.m., I picked up the Ajid and the Nika translations. The woman placed them in an elegant gold textured envelope. I pulled the documents out. The words were neatly 
and beautifully arranged on thick 8 by 11 gold sheets of textured paper. A real professional job and much more than I expected. I paid what amounted to $25 per page plus the $50 rush fee. I made sure to collect their printed business cards and my receipt as the Reverend recommended I do at all times. At the jewelers, I paid a small sum to have my jewelry steam blasted and cleaned, although they tried feverishly to actually buy Uma's high quality pieces from me. They had to be content with me simply buying their most elegant jewelry cases to put each different piece into. For only $200, I bought two solid gold 24 karat rings. They were completely plain. No print, no diamonds, no engravings. Fawzi had said, that the bangles were the precious pieces and there were no bangles more precious than the ones I had cleaned and glistening in the box. Two swift deliveries on behalf of Uma Designs were completed. They were the items that the two clients ordered at the tail end of the big wedding and were patient enough to wait for. I gladly handed them over and accepted the generous tip from one of the clients which made up for the non-tip from the other. I picked Uma up at five. We went to the apartment. I showered and dressed all over again. I had never really known what it felt like to be nervous, but I was getting a little familiar with the sensation. She hugged me before I left saying, you already have my permission. If it is Allah's will, It will be done. She brushed her hands together to say, and it is done. We both smiled. I was out. At Pratt, I waited at her classroom door. This way, there was no way for me to overlook her when she arrived. In fact, I would see her coming down the hall. Her eyes would give away whatever she was feeling, as they always did, and really on just one look, I would have all of my answers. The closer it got to 7 p.m., the more students arrived. At exactly 7 p.m., the professor showed up. Oh, it's you, she said, smiling. You're looking quite smart. What's the occasion, she asked. I'm good, I told her, diverting her questions. Have you changed your mind, she asked. Excuse me, I replied. About the modeling job, she teased. Nah, I'm just waiting for Akimi, I said. She probably won't come tonight. She's somewhere preparing for her big show. I'm sure you know all about it, she tested. Yes, I know, I told her. Okay then, bye-bye. Let me know if you change your mind about the modeling, Akimi or no Akimi. She waved and went in. I stood against the locker, my heart splitting in half, my body temperature rising, feeling like a fucking fool. I heard her cousin's voice in my ear and her annoying American accent. Akimi knows where you are. If she stopped coming around, maybe it's because she doesn't want to anymore.
I hopped on the train, thought about not going to the dojo, then thought about going home and facing Uma with no results. I thought about going to Queens instead, to Akimi's studio. Within seconds, I realized that was a wrong move, especially in my state of mind. What kind of a love could she and I have if I had to fight her uncle at his home? I thought about going by the museum where she was now, where her show was, thinking maybe she was there, setting up or rehearsing or whatever. Then I just got tight and said, fuck it. Should I be chasing her around? If she was my wife, she would be right here with me where I could see her. If my wife wasn't here with me, I better know where she was and it better be a place that I approved of. If she loved me, how could she just stay away? Before my heartbreak converted to depression and my depression into rage, I took some deep breaths. I decided I'd go to the dojo and clear my head. No women to entice or seduce me there. No women to arouse and abandon me there. Nobody with the power to break my heart there. No time or space or possibilities of tears there. I could just choose one of the students there and fuck them up real good to release my disappointment while calling it training. Later, every student in the dojo was already seated in rows when I arrived. I cut across the back of the room headed for my locker. I needed to change in a flash. Suddenly, they all stood up. The 16 or so ninjutsu fighters and began clapping. I turned and looked at Amir like, what the fuck is going on? I was surprised to also see Chris. I was so sure he was finished at the dojo. When I turned to get an answer from Sensei, I saw Akimi standing in his space instead. Her eye was completely healed. When I looked into her eyes, I could see my reflection. I knew then that I had my answer. She wore a gold tunic dress and Manolo Blahnik sandals, a pair I had seen in that expensive store. Her Fendi Python pocketbook was so mean, it could be worn without clothes. I had to pull myself back from my fantasy and focus on what was really going on in my dojo. She looked so good that she had the men on their feet. Even the master of calm, Sensei himself, looked swept away. Now there were 36 eyeballs focused on my reactions. I cut and walked around the men like they were cornstalks in an overcrowded field. As I got closer to her, she stepped up and folded into me. I embraced her warmly and completely, even though I was in shock. I was so used to being a private person, to hold my heart in my hands in front of men who had been with me for years but never really knew me, made me feel vulnerable in ways that a fighter should never be vulnerable. If there was ever a time for an enemy to kill me, it would have been right then. 
I was so open in that moment that I was unlike a ninja, completely defenseless. She remained there in my embrace. Then I turned her by her shoulders, kept one arm around her, and walked off to move us into a private corner of this large room. I pulled out the gold envelope and handed it to her. She smiled and pulled the contents out and read them over. Her eyes welled up in tears that remained floating there but never fell. Sensei, please continue with the class, I called out, but he didn't, and everyone laughed. Then she turned to Sensei and called out some words in Japanese. Sensei left the room and returned seconds later with a writing pen in his hand. He walked over and handed it to her. Look how she has him eating out of her hands, I thought to myself. Not to mention I wished I could throw a curtain around her so that no one else could see her or stare at her beauty but me. She started writing on the papers as she walked away, all male eyes positioned on each of her heeled feet moving gracefully across the floor. I wanted to know what she was doing, although I knew that whatever she was doing, no one could stop her. She spoke some more to Sensei. He called me over. She says that you said, all that is needed are two or three witnesses. Well, we have 17 witnesses instead, he translated for Akimi. It's true that we do have four men here who are at least 18 years old, Sensei pushed. Amir was standing in the back with his hands in the air like, what the fuck is up with you now? Chris was mesmerized. I excused myself to the men's room and performed wudu, the washing that each Muslim must do before making a prayer. I returned and made a prayer at the front of the room facing east. I recited Al-Fatiha in Arabic. In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, Praise be to Allah, the Lord of the worlds, the beneficent, the merciful. Thee do we serve, and thee do we beseech for help. Guide us on the right path, the path of those upon whom thou hast bestowed favors, not those upon whom wrath is brought down, nor those who go astray. When I raised up, everyone was standing in complete silence. I pulled the jewels from my inside jacket pocket. I opened the elegant boxes and placed each bangle onto Akimi's wrist. The diamonds on the right, the gold on her left. For me, this was not any type of game. Sensei, Akimi may recite her nika now if she chooses, I said. Since they translated, she chose. She recited her nika in Japanese. Since they translated her words into English for the 17 witnesses, four of whom were adults, in addition to Sensei, who was somehow representing Akimi and Akimi's understanding as a father, 
guardian, or a family advisor who would normally do so. Akimi faced me and began reading the Nika in Japanese from the paper in the gold envelope. She was speaking with no fear, as though no one else was there other than the two of us. Sensei translated the words of the Nika into English for everyone to hear and understand. I recited my acceptance of her giving herself to me in marriage. We signed the Ajid in the presence of everyone. Sensei placed his signature in our documents, as did two other adult students whom I knew from regular classes. I opened the box with the simple gold rings and slid one onto her finger. She placed the second ring onto mine. She held her arms up for everyone to see. She dropped her wrist down to show off her fingers and the ring. Then she bowed over completely before me. These cats went wild with cheer. Not your average Islamic ceremony, I knew. Having already signed her name on all of the documents, she handed Sensei the paperwork, plus some papers from her pocketbook, and said some words to him in her language. The more she spoke to Sensei without my understanding, the more uneasy I became. She turned to me and folded herself into my embrace. She eased out from me and turned to leave, and of course, I followed her. As we exited the dojo, a limousine, double parked halfway down the block, began driving our way. The driver pulled up and double parked in front of the dojo. The Asian driver emerged and ran around to open the car door. I told him to get back in the car. I spun her around and looked at her to show my confusion at whatever her plan was. She placed her hand onto the car door handle. I put my hand over hers. The gold glittered polish on her fingertips looking exquisite against my black skin. We opened the door and she stepped on the inside of the limo door. Then she turned towards me to show me that she was leaving alone. She said, Aishitru. In a move that went against all of my beliefs about public intimacy, I kissed her. She leaned against the warm exterior of the limo and her body relaxed. Her mouth was moist and warm. I saw her eyes roll into her head and then close in pleasure. She gave in to the feeling. Soon, she pushed my body away gently and said, Sayonara. This is a Japanese word that almost everyone knew or heard or said before, but since I first met Akimi, it is the one word that I never like to hear her say. She got in the limo. I closed her door and went to the other side where her driver was. I leaned in towards him knowing that I was intimidating him. He was a small man. He opened his window only enough to hear me out. Where are you supposed to take her? I asked. New Jersey, he answered. I stood there with my hands on his window, delaying him. All I could think was that I wanted Akimi to stay here with me. I felt a thousand percent possessive over her, same as I did before we recited the Nika, but it was even more pressing to me now. Instead, I told myself, she will be fine, and 
she will make the right choices which are best for both of us. I felt wrong for doubting her in the first place when it was so completely evident that she is mine and I am where she wants to be. I pulled away from the driver's window, tapped the top of his hood, nodded to Akimi and the driver pulled off. Nobody was fighting in the dojo. Everybody was at the window watching me. Amir was in the front row, of course. As I approached the building, the curtain that separated the ninjutsu world from the Brooklyn streets dropped. When I entered the dojo, they were all seated on the floor, staring at me. What? I asked. Sensei was seated in the middle of them on the floor, which I had never seen him do before. With a playful smile, he said, If, at your age, you can win over such a lovely young wife who will do anything for you and pledge her love with such open loyalty, then perhaps you should be teaching this class, and I should be back here listening and learning from you. The class laughed all together. I stood there, dazed by the whole last hour of my life. Loosen up, man. You got the girl, Amir said. They all laughed again. Still thinking of Akimi, I asked Sensei, What did she tell you? He smiled. Perhaps you'd better get a professional translator to translate the events of this day for you. Sumimasen, Sensei-san, I said, apologizing to him for the disrespect I caused him to feel by getting someone other than him to translate my marriage documents into Japanese. Very well, Sensei said. She said, I love you. You are my husband now, and I am your wife. Nobody can change that. She also said that neither a beautiful bird nor a beautiful leopard is beautiful in a cage. No one can change that either. She's deep, Chris said. She probably heard that somewhere in a rhyme, Amir said. I wasn't saying anything. Just thoughts racing through my mind, my heart, and my body throbbing equally. Do you know the meaning of her name, Sensei asked, always in the teaching position. Her name, Akimi, means bright beauty. Midnight and the bright beauty, Chris recited out loud. Amir laughed. Some students laughed too, but Sensei did not. I could see he knew the weight of my heart and the seriousness of this matter. He continued, The last thing that your Akimi said was, I have to leave now. I have to go back to wipe the tears from my father's eyes. I don't care if it takes you all night. Now that your undercover identity has been compromised, I want you to sit here and tell us what the fuck was going on. Don't leave out no details. You might as well sit here and talk to us since you're 14, you just got married, and ain't on your honeymoon, Amir said, smiling. Chris seemed speechless with fascination. It was just the three of us now. Chris, you wasn't even with us two on Saturday night after the party. I'm telling you, this man here has two wives and a newborn. 
At least that's all we know about so far, he joked. Amir was now standing on his feet, animating like he was in a play in front of a packed theater. Now, your man did all of this without giving up one word or one shred of evidence. I'm so fucking impressed right now. We all friends here. Just give up your secrets, he begged. Your ninja wife is the one who blew up your spot by showing up to the dojo. That was your only mistake. The one thing that you weren't in control of. I'm surprised you even let her know where the dojo was at, Amir performed. I had to laugh at that one. I didn't. She took the paper from my house, I admitted, thinking back to when she was walking around my bedroom, rummaging through my stuff. Then I relaxed a little. I'll only tell you to this. Akimi is my girl, my wife, that's it. Bangs, she has love for me, but I can't rock with her. Her daughter is not my daughter. That's all I'm going to say. Akimi, I mean your wife. She's beautiful, Chris said. For the first time, another man commenting on my woman sounded sincere. There was no offense in his compliment, no wrong intention. I admire you, man, for real. We've been busy playing. You've been busy growing up, Chris said, so seriously. Then he looked like he went into his own head and began reflecting on something. Who is she? Where did you meet her? Is this marriage even legal? Amir challenged. Our parents have given their permission, I said, holding up the envelope containing all of the signatures, including the form signed by Akimi's father. And our marriage is legal in the eyes of Allah. That silenced him. Even the Sudanese bride returns home to her family after the signing of the Ajid. She doesn't go right away to her husband, Uma said, soothing me. She was sitting in the middle of her bed, her bare feet still beautifully painted with pretty henna patterns. Her lamp lit up her excited eyes as I recounted the story of my and Akimi's vows. The Sudanese wedding takes seven days or more. Do you know that after the huge ceremony for Fozzie's wedding, the entire family reconvened two days later for his walima? Walima, I asked. I was seated on the floor with my back up against the wall. It is the family breakfast feast where the families celebrate the proof of virginity of the new wife. It is also a prayer breakfast in hope that Allah will bless the newly married couple with new life. How does the family have proof of the virginity, I asked, feeling naive. When you go into a new bride, if she is a virgin, there will be blood. It will not be a shower of blood which occurs in the woman's monthly flow. Females vary, but there must be some blood coming from her below on the first night of intimacy. The husband will know how it feels, how it is, and how it looks. He will take time to see the blood. When the husband is sure and feels that his bride has not been entered into by any other man, he is happy. So the families are happy.
No one feels cheated. Everyone celebrates. I already knew there would be no walima between our two families, yet I felt a heavy Sudanese kind of pride that there would be blood coming from below, not a hand-me-down girl or someone else's leftovers or an abandoned or passed around piece. In my bedroom, I kept turning her words over in my head. I have to go back to wipe the tears from my father's eyes. Not back to Japan, my heart pleaded. The driver said, New Jersey. She must be saying that her father has come here to the U.S. and is keeping up in the, in the New Jersey home of his brother. Either way, I had to admit to myself that this was the first time since we arrived to America that I really trusted any female outside of Uma. Now, after careful thought and observation, I felt within my heart that I trusted Akimi too, even when I could not see her with my own two eyes standing before me. I trusted that she was good and true and doing only the right things. Thank you.